Good morning and happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. My name is Tyler Rosieri, the objective Duke fan in this duo, and I'm debating my good friend John, who is the always biased UNC fan. John, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Tyler. I'm so glad we got some college basketball this week to talk about. Great game uh, for UNC Duke, but really all across college basketball already this first week. There have been some great games, great upsets. We're going to talk about a lot of that tonight. We're going to talk about UNC's first game. We're going to preview the Maui Invitational just a little bit, and then we'll transition over to Duke, and we'll start to talk about Duke, how they looked in their first game of the week, and uh, transition into talking about some of the rest of their schedule. And then we'll look at the ACC at large as well. Um, There were a lot of interesting games this week. Our predictions that we made in last week's episode came true pretty quickly, which is cool to see, but of course it's a long season. So we'll get into all that. It should be a really interesting episode i can't wait till we get to our play tech segment there's a lot to discuss about there it's only been one game he's already a a polarizing figure in the unc fan base uh yeah tyler what should we start with first yeah log it into finally have some games to analyze john let's talk about unc first what's your analysis they played um college of charleston on wednesday this last week what'd you see yeah it was a really interesting game it was the first night of college basketball for North Carolina in the Smith Center. We talked about this on last week's pod, but it was so weird that the Smith Center was empty. All those blue seats, um, you know, you're used to those being filled to the brim. uh, So it was weird to not have that environment, just like with Cameron Indoor, not having the Cameron Crazies there was definitely a unique environment. I was really impressed, though, with North Carolina. I think that UNC showed up and they played really well in their first game. Um, against the College of Charleston. A couple of stats to run down here as we uh, start to talk about this game. Caleb Love, 17 points for North Carolina. Dayron Sharp, he had 13 points uh, for the Tar Heels. Um, Garrison Brooks, the preseason ACC Player of the Year, only six points for him. And uh, a number of other Tar Heel newcomers showed uh, some flashes of brilliance early on. Uh, Walker Kessler, he played limited minutes, only five minutes, but he had six points and was uh, three for three uh, from two-pointers. That's a pretty good start for him. Puff Johnson nailed his only three-point attempt. And R.J. Davis, the other freshman guard, he had 11 points to start. So a pretty good start uh, for the Tar Heels. Um, The number one thing that jumped out to me from this first week of games, uh, Dayron Sharp looks like a real star. Um, He's a traditional big man, um, and he fits perfectly within North Carolina's offense. It was great to see him getting some easy buckets on the inside, and also his rebounding. I think he's so long, he's going to be able to get so many offensive rebounds this year for North Carolina. He started out with a double-double, grabbing 10 boards, including five offensive rebounds, which is very impressive. So he was the number one guy who jumped out for me um, from the UNC side. Tyler, what did you see in UNC's first game? Yeah, real quick, John, you know I like to ask, what's your one-word reaction for UNC? I would say my one-word reaction um, from this first game, I honestly am going to say thankful. I'm thankful we got to see (laughs) this Tar Heel team play. 
Uh, it's been already a crazy week with some COVID cancellations. So it was good to get that first game out of the way. I was thankful to see the Tar Heels on the court. Um, and from here, UNC continu can continue to improve and work on a lot of things and just get it better from there. But yeah, that's my one word reaction to last night's or last week's game is thankful. And from there, uh, they can improve a lot. What about you? Yeah, so uh, as a Duke fan, my one, re one word reaction is damn. Damn, 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 damn. You guys are going to be good. I said last week I think UNC has slept on at 16, and you'll be in the top 10 pretty easily, pretty quickly, which following the rest of basketball, there's a lot of people ranked ahead of you that already have lost, so you'll already shoot up this week. You have a big matchup against Iowa next week, which would propel you to the top 10 if you win. Um, a lot of surprises in the first game. I'm going to start with what I did expect, though. I told you Darren Sharp, I think, is going to be the best big man on your team. And he already proved to be a problem. Fits perfectly in your system. And I think when he starts working the pick and roll with Caleb Lovemore, I know you tweeted out a picture of Gonzaga working in pick and roll and the difference between that and Caleb Love. Once you guys figure that out and work that a bit, you're going to be pretty hard to stop. Garrison Brooks, I told you, I think he's going to have a letdown. You know, I looked at the, I was watching the game, looked at the box score, and I said, is this your King Jong? Your ACC preseason player of the year, six points? When College of Charleston center was 6'8", and you expect all your bigs to dominate, Garrison Brooks, in my opinion, was your worst big, and that's supposed to be the ACC preseason player of the year. Now, I don't think that will, you know, continue the rest of the season, but, you know, for an opening game, you know, pretty much a dud. And also expected Caleb Love to look very good, very solid. I love his jumper. It's silky smooth. He's, you know, great at attacking the basket, all that I expected. Now let's go to a many, like, many surprises throughout the game. I'll start with Armando Baycott. I was not sold last year, but he looks like a different man this year. He clearly has worked on his body. He's lost a lot of the baby fat he came in with. He's quick down the floor, running the floor hard, quick off his feet. His his athletic transition this year has was a big, big surprise for me. Then the next guy that jumped out was R.J. Davis. I did not expect him to have the instant impact that he had. Someone that I think can run the point when Caleb Love is in foul trouble or gets injured. He got injured uh, just for you know a few minutes in that game. R.J. Davis did a great job filling in. And then... Uh, you know, another big surprise was the heavy minutes for Bob the Builder. Oh, I'm sorry, Playtech. The way he throws up bricks sometimes, I get them confused, as you understand. He and Leaky Black both. But, you know, if he's going to play 22, 23 minutes, almost as much as the next guy, he can't go one of five from three, I believe. Was it two of nine overall? So I know you tweeted out he's got to be some – threat from the three. There was a point, 14 minutes, 10 seconds on the clock. I can't remember exactly if it was the first half or second half, but he got the ball in transition on a wide open three feet set. Three calls to Charleston players in the paint. One of them yells, oh, no, you let him shoot. Let him shoot. And play tech missed it. You have to have more respect if you're playing 22 minutes and your goal in this game is to be a shooter. You can't, you can't shoot like he did and still expect to get those minutes. I will give him props. He did play the best D I've ever seen him play. I don't think he'll ever repeat that, but for this game, I'll give him props for that. Uh, John, you got a point to add? 
Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of interesting points there. I want to start with Playtech and weave that back into what you said earlier about Villanova and spacing. I think spacing is something that is so critical uh, to today's game. The game has shifted more towards that three-point arc. The or the axis of the game has shifted towards that three-point shot. So in order to have good spacing, you have to have good three-point shooters, but you also, you also have to have great spacing. And North Carolina has some really good shooters on this team. Uh, I think Kerwin, Kerwin Walton is going to turn out to be a pretty good shooter. I think Puff Johnson is going to be a good shooter. Caleb Love is going to be a good shooter. But I don't think North Carolina's spacing uh, showed up very well uh, in their first game. They tend to have a lot of possessions where guards are going to be driving into a wall of big men. And we saw this all last year with uh, Cole Anthony, North Carolina's freshman point guard last year. It honestly really hurt his draft stock because he had an entire season's worth of tape where he was driving to the lane and basically running into Armando Baycott or running into Garrison Brooks and his man. And I think we saw that again early on against the College of Charleston. You know, Caleb Love would run into the lane and he would drive and there'd be two, three bodies in there immediately. So I think that that's just something to monitor throughout the course of the season, specifically with Playtech. If he is a brilliant defensive stopper, that's great. <laughs> but he also needs to be able to provide some sort of spacing on offense. Even if he doesn't make them, he has to be a threat. He has to take them when he's open. I think that that's going to be so huge for North Carolina to monitor as the season goes along. Yep, that's a great point. Um, to that, you know, that may be a reason you hear Garrison Brooks added that three-point jumper to his arsenal. Because if you're going to have spacing, you need to have bigs that can space the floor, right? With Gonzaga, they're able to have such a lethal pick and roll right now because their bigs can space the floor and hit a jumper. So we'll see with, you know, the progression of your bigs. You have four of them. You know, one of them should be able to shoot. Garrison can hit the mid-range. Um, so we'll see how they continue to space the floor as the season progresses. Uh, two other points I wanted to add. One was I was shocked that Kessler and Puff Johnson weren't getting more minutes, specifically Kessler because I still think he's the most skilled you know, big man. But you know, I was reading that they had missed a number of practices leading up to this game. Um, so that's that's the reason they, they weren't getting heavy minutes. But with all of your bigs looking good, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how they work Kessler into the lineup and see how you break down minutes. Um, and the last point I want to talk about is Caleb Love, because this is the first time probably in his entire life he's had to monitor the number of shots he takes, and I could see that being a reason why you guys lost your lead. You went up, what was it, 14-2, something like that, and then late in the or early in the second half you were even losing, and I was trying to figure out why, how you lost the lead because you looked very good, especially in the beginning when I thought your defense was stellar. You know, you had really good, really good on-ball pressure, and it seemed like every help side rotation was there as well. And I was trying to figure out what happened. I think two things happened. One, and I'm pretty serious about this, Leaky Black and Andrew Playtech were missing their three-point shots so hard, they were literally rimming out to the three-point line and half-court line, and Call of Charleston was getting wide-open fast breaks because of it, which, you know, is one, pretty hilarious, but two, you can't keep repeating throughout the season. Um, and second, 
Caleb Love was aggressive early and aggressive late, and he fell off in the middle. And I think it's going to be key for him to learn how to run a team and figure out when he has to take over and when he has to distribute. It's something Coach K talked a lot about with Tyus Jones and why he was so, um, you know, so potent at Duke. He was a master at realizing when to get Winslow the ball, when to get Jaleel the ball. Okay, when is it time for me to score and take over? And he he definitely did that late in games. And it's going to be interesting to see how quickly Caleb Love can develop that sense on the court when it's time for him to take over versus distribute and run the team. And I think he'll do it well. And I think, you know, throughout the season, you guys are going to be very, very tough to beat. Yeah. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about this team uh, this week. They play in the Maui Invitational, which is in Asheville, North Carolina this year. Very sad. You're going to Noe Asheville instead of the beaches of Maui for the Tar Heels. <laughs> but, you know, this year everything's weird. So why not? Why not play the Maui Invitational in Asheville? North Carolina is going to have the opportunity to play against some really good teams. They could play against Stanford or Alabama, uh, depending on whether they win or lose their first game against UNLV. And then on the other side of the bracket, they could end up playing Texas or Indiana, possibly in one of the championship rounds of the Maui Invitational. So those are some high-level opponents. North Carolina is going to be able to judge themselves against that much tougher tier of opponents. So when it comes to people like Playtech, when it comes to people like Leaky Black, I want to see a little bit more sample size before I make a ton of judgment about whether or not they've made a lot of progress from this season until last. But if we come out of the Maui Invitational and it looks like Leaky Black still doesn't have a solid jumper, if it looks like Andrew Playtech is really going to hurt the team's spacing offensively when he plays heavy minutes, I think that's when it's going to start to get time to be worried about this North Carolina team and their spacing. Um, but, yeah, I agree, too. We're going to see some more of Kessler. We're going to see some more of Puff Johnson this week, and it's going to be sort of sink or swim for them. They're going to be thrown right in uh, to the fire in a very tough Maui Invitational field, and we'll see how they do. I think with that, it might be time to transition over to talk a little bit about Duke. Uh, the Blue Devils played this week as well. Their first game uh, was canceled, just like many games will be this season. So that wasn't necessarily a surprise. So instead, they kicked off the season on Saturday, November 28th against Coppin State. They beat Coppin State by only 10 points, which, of <laughs> course, harkens back one week, or excuse me, one year ago this week. Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin at home. Uh, Tyler, I made sure to uh, watch that nice video of their game-winning layup. At le- I probably watched it at least 10 times this week, you know, just to bring myself some joy and to start off the holidays right with some, you know, Christmas cheer, watching all those Stephen F. Austin guys cheer. But this time Duke handled their business against Coppin State. Uh, Tyler, what did you think about that first game for the Blue Devils? What stood out to you? Yeah, um, funny that in episode one you say we're going to forget last season, but you'll bring up Stephen F. Austin. I bet you didn't watch videos of the rest of the season after that game, huh? Um, yeah, so for Duke, uh, very disappointed. I thought we looked absolutely awful. And I'm really going to put it on Coach K because I think the lineup that he threw out there was the worst possible lineup. The starting lineup, you had Goldwire, Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, Jalen Johnson, and Joey Baker. 
Two of those starters, Goldwire and Baker, had a combined four points, two points each, and a combined O of six from the three-point line. Uh, not going to get it done. I'll get into Joey Baker a little bit later. Um, Wendell Moore, someone people were very high on and I was skeptical about. Still not confident in the in his jumper. He did make one. Uh, but he was still two of five from the three-point line. Teams are going to give him that open shot all year long, same as last year, and he didn't seem to me to be confident in taking that open jumper, which is a problem because they pack the lane and he just forces a drive into it and he turns it over or misses you know, a fairly simple layup. I didn't see much of a change in this one game from last year. Similarly with Matthew Hurt, I didn't see much of a change from last year. I saw someone who can get his own shot but is not going to create for others. A number of times he was double or triple teamed and refused to make the open pass um, or one more pass to a, a, one time a wide open Joey Baker, who's one of our best shooters, another time uh, Goldwire. And so he actually came off to me as a bit of a ball hog. He did hit, I think he played much better in the second half. He met, he hit some very clutch threes, very clutch shots, but overall not, not very impressed. I didn't see much improvement in his game. Um, and then Jalen Johnson, it's going to be interesting to see how Coach K plays him at the three or the four this year. I don't think this starting lineup is going to be reminiscent of the one we use going forward. Coppin State was very small, and so I think Coach K went small and didn't play many of the bigs. We have Mark Williams barely played. He, Brickfield, and Col Coleman uh, played, I believe, four minutes each, and Patrick Tepe didn't play at all. I told you earlier that in the scrimmage um, tapes, Patrick Tepe didn't look comfortable, so it may not you know, I'm not too shocked that he didn't see the floor. But Jalen Johnson, he dominated 19 points, 19 rebounds, perfect from the floor. He did have seven turnovers. I'll tell you, it didn't feel like seven turnovers because about three of them would come within a minute span. Then he'd have 10 minutes of not turning it over, then another three. So it didn't really feel like seven. But nonetheless, it's still a high number he'll have to get down. Um, and then, you know, DJ Stewart was the big flash to me. He is someone that I think needs to start for Joey Baker. He needs to, you know, or Coach K needs to needs to play more. D.H. Stewart had 24 points. Joey Baker had two. Joey Baker last year was great off the bench. He didn't have what Coach K calls starter syndrome, where Baker would shoot seemingly 50% from the, from the three-point line, start, and miss every shot. And I don't know if he's progressed from that from last year. Uh, before I move on, John, anything you want to add? Yeah, I thought that one of the most interesting points you made there was talking about Duke's rotations. I am going to push back a little bit. I think DJ Stewart ended up playing 33 minutes uh, in their first game. So he played almost double the minutes that Joey Baker did. So maybe one of those things that, you know, Baker started, but Stewart ended up finishing the game. I think that we'll see that throughout the season. But the biggest takeaway for me with the rotations was the fact that really Duke just played seven players. They played... Uh, yeah. Brakefield, Williams, and Coleman, each less than five minutes. So that's been a theme for Coach K over the past few years. He hasn't developed his bench to the point where he needs to. And then you get into games in February and March, you have foul trouble, and you have situations where you have to throw these unproven guys into big spots, and they're not ready for it. Um, I'm taken back to the ACC tournament when Zion 
uh, was playing for Duke. Duke had some foul trouble. They had some uh, problems with some injuries there. And Coach K basically left a young Jordan Goldwire out there on the floor. He was cramping up. He couldn't move. But there was no one else that Coach K could turn to in a big moment in a big game. So I was really surprised to see that Coach K didn't have more, uh, you know, depth on his bench. I know it's still early. There's still opportunities uh, to play some of those young guys. But we've already seen this is going to be a weird season. One game was canceled right off the bat. So you have to take every opportunity you can to develop that depth. I think that the biggest positive, though, for Duke is all three freshmen look like superstars. Or excuse me, two of your biggest freshmen, Jalen Johnson, DJ Stewart, and also to a lesser extent, uh, Jeremy Roach. I think all three of them look really good. Um, Jalen Johnson got a lot of the headlines, but like you said, DJ Stewart played the second most minutes on the team. He also looked very good with 24 points. So I think that's a huge positive for this Duke team. They're going to only get better as the season goes along. Um, And I think that some of the older guys, they'll start to understand their roles. They'll start to understand how to play with them more. And I think that this team can coalesce together um, as the schedule and the season rolls along. Yep. Fantastic point. Real quick, DJ Stewart did play way more minutes because he actually did take over that starting role in the second half. I'm hoping that he takes over a starting role from tip um, going forward. But, yeah, I need to, uh, you know, build on this conversation about the – the rotation. We talked last last episode about Coach K hopefully going 10 to 11 deep, whereas in the past he's gone 7 to 8. And early on he's going 7 to 8, which I do not like at all. And I I believe it is because Coppin State was so small and they were, we were switching everything on the screen rolls. So we didn't want to get our big switch on our guards who were starting to hit down or knock down threes like crazy. Um, so I think we'll get a better – better feel for that going forward against Michigan State and some other teams that have true centers and see how our centers match up. You know, it's really tough to get a feel for how our bigs will will play this year because they didn't play at all, to be honest. Matthew Hurt played the five. He's not a five. He's a stretch four. Um, With that said, I think the biggest piece of the rotation that I question is starting Jay Gold at point guard. He had started in, in a few games or a number of games the last two years but it was always at the two alongside Trey Jones, and Trey Jones was running the show. When you see in the box score that Duke has 22 turnovers, you know, I'm not really surprised. One, we're young, but two, I don't think Jordan Goldwire is a starter in the ACC, not a point guard. I don't think he has the ability to lead a team in the ACC. And this, Duke was up 17 at halftime, and Cobb State won an 8-0 run to start the second half. Part of that is because when it was time to settle the team down, Jordan Goldwater was committing turnovers and needless, unforced turnovers. That's something you can't have and something that I think could continue throughout the season because I just don't see Goldwater able to develop in this last year to be a starting – the caliber of starting point guard is going to be a top 10 team – for a top 10 team in the country. On the flip side, Jeremy Roach is a freshman. He is more undersized than I thought he was coming into college, but I still think his ability to score at all three levels – his ability to play in the pick and roll and his commitment to defense. He needs to be the starting point guard for the team. I think he won't turn it over as much as Goldwire. He is much more of a threat on offense and he spaces the floor much better than Goldwire. And Goldwire is a complimentary piece. He's not the player that's going to lead a team, a top 10 team to, you know, for a final four run. So 
you know, Jeremy Roach didn't play that much, to be quite honest with you. And I'm hoping that going forward, Kay will start working him in the lineup more. Goldwire is I, – I do really like him as a complimentary piece, but I just don't think he'll ever be the piece that you need to run the team. And in the ACC, as hard as it is, you need a true point guard. I know Caleb Love is that for UNC. I hope Jeremy Roach can turn into that this year. He'll probably need another you know, another year to develop. But I just don't think Goldwire will ever be that for this team. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to monitor. And those freshmen, they have a huge challenge ahead of them this week. That can help us transition into our best bets segment for this week. Duke is playing Michigan State on Tuesday, December 1st. The game is in Cameron Indoor. Um, I think we're going to get a great sense of you know, what the difference is with and without home court advantage because this is a game where Duke would have loved to have a home court advantage against a very good Michigan State team. Instead, it's basically going to be a glorified scrimmage. Uh, teams are going to have to bring their own energy. Basically, it's a neutral site game played in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Tyler, what are you expecting from this game, and what's your take on it from a betting perspective? Yeah, so Duke is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Michigan State, and they play Tuesday. Um, based on that first game that I saw Duke play, I don't think they're very good. Flip side, I've seen Michigan State play, and I don't think they're very good. They beat Notre Dame by 10 points. Um, Lawyer, their sharpshooter, went off for six threes that game. Next game, Michigan State played. He didn't hit any because everyone knows the key on him now. Um, you know, most years after seeing how Duke performed in game one, I wouldn't bet on them. But seeing, my opinion, how overrated Michigan State is, and I believe a focus for Duke will be limiting turnovers after having 22 in their first game. I'm hoping Kay can help um, guide the team to make this adjustment. Um, I would take Duke uh, minus three and a half. What about you? I'm going the other way. I'm actually going to take Michigan State in this one. It's not just my uh, UNC bias showing through. I think that Michigan State has a more experienced team. They have a number of juniors and seniors on their two deep. Um, you know, when you have those guys who have played in some big games before, I think that's going to help them a ton, especially early on in the season. Um, as the season wears along, Duke's freshmen won't be freshmen anymore. They'll have some games under their belt. But this early on in the season, I think that veteran experience matters. So I'm counting on Michigan State to win this one. I think it's going to be a very close game. And I'm also feeling comfortable. I feel more comfortable putting money on Michigan State um, than I do on Duke this early in the season. But only time will tell. I think that's going to be a great game. We've already seen some great games around the college basketball landscape already. I think it was triple overtime, Virginia Tech beating Villanova. There are a couple other upsets this week. Virginia losing early on, which... Neither of us are surprised by, if you listened to the podcast last week, we both called out Virginia. We weren't sure we believed in them. But still, uh, from a national perspective, having Virginia lose so early was surprising. Tyler, what else stood out to you in terms of the rest of the ACC slate uh, last week? Um, yeah, so my pick for Georgia Tech to be a surprise team is not looking good so far. They lost in quadruple overtime to Georgia State. They had to play the next game, the next day and lost that game, which uh, 
having just played quadruple overtime game, I don't fault them too much for. DeVoe and Alvarado have not shot very well, which I think they'll get together. So I don't think these early games are going to be indicative with how good Georgia Tech will be come ACC play. There's not too many big, big surprises to me quite yet. I do, before we sign off, want to give a quick shout-out to our friend in Kentucky, Coach Cal, who lost to Richmond today. You know, we always like to see Kentucky go down, one of the bad blue bloods in this rivalry. <laughs> With that, John, I'll leave it to you to sign off. There's going to be some exciting action in the Maui Invitational this week. I'm really excited to watch UNC play. We're going to have so much more data about this team. Uh, it's hard to make too many projections off of one early season game uh, to College of Charleston, but once we see them play and they're tested early on, I think we're going to know a lot more about this team. We saw some cracks form early on last season when North Carolina was tested in some of their preseason tournaments. Uh, let me go back and look at that real quick because, yeah, I think they played Alabama, Michigan, and Oregon at a neutral site, and they lost to Michigan 73-64 uh, last November around uh, Thanksgiving time for the in the 2019-20 season. And that was sort of the first time we got a sense that, okay, this team is going to have some struggles when they're in the wrong matchup, when they have teams that can handle uh, Cole Anthony. And, you know, of course, the injuries took over as well. So I think that this season, the Maui Invitational is going to be really a litmus test for North Carolina. We'll see whether or not those freshmen can hold up. But whatever happens in the Maui Invitational, whatever happens this week in college basketball, we'll be back next week to discuss it all. Thanks for listening again to our second episode of this pod. Be sure to like our Twitter account and check us out at Tar Devils Pod on Twitter. Also be sure to follow us on Spotify and more. Um, Tyler, thanks for joining us for episode two. Absolutely. See you all next week. <laughs>